This is a Baby Brunch podcast. In South Africa, we drink on average uh, twice uh, the amount of um, alcohol per capita that is drank in the globally in the rest of, of the world. This podcast is supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. The range of Epimax Baby and Junior gentle all-purpose emollient moisturizers is an all-day, everyday favorite for babies and children. Give your child a good start to every day by nourishing and protecting their skin with Epimax. We've all asked that question before, like, you know, can I just have a glass of wine? We've all said it before where the kids are in bed and you go, okay, I think it's, I deserve it, you know, time to have a glass of wine. Today's conversation is about me and you and that glass of wine that we have when things are getting too much. Today's conversation is also about fetal alcohol syndrome. Dr. Liana Olafir is joining us today. She's from an amazing organization called FAR. Before I get to the facts, surely most of us think that alcohol abuse is not our problem. Doesn't it belong to community? Yes, Ilona, it's always somebody else's problem. And that's part of the problem with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders or fetal alcohol syndrome, like, like you said. Because uh, people's risk perception is very low. It's always somebody else who's at risk. It's always uh, another cultural group who's at risk. And the reality is every single pregnant woman who is using alcohol is putting her baby, her unborn baby, at risk of having uh, or getting fetal alcohol syndrome. But what if you just have a glass of champagne? Surely it's not like you're drinking on the street. And for those of you who can't see my uh, expressions, who's listening to the podcast, surely I'm asking this tongue in cheek, but we've all wondered before. It's just one glass of bubbles. Yeah, and that, that's true. You hear so often that um, actually uh, not one glass or one or two glasses of wine can't do any harm. Or you even hear from health professionals that it's okay to drink one glass of especially red wine per day. And what we tend to forget, it, it's not about how our bodies as adults, as women, um, react to the uh, alcohol, but it's how the unborn baby with the um, underdeveloped liver, how that baby's uh, uh, body is reacting to the alcohol. Um, there's, uh, the, the reality is that if alcohol had to be discovered today, it would have most probably be a banned substance because of the harmful effects, not only to... Um, the unborn baby's um, body, but also to the, uh, the adult um, uh, body. So um, what what we tend to forget also, or maybe don't know, is that within 20 minutes after you've drank the alcohol, it's already in your baby's bloodstream and is already affecting the development of the baby. So the alcohol is seen as a poisonous substance, if you want to call it like that, or a teratogen is the fancy word. And it affects the development of the um, cells of the un unborn baby. And of course, it immediately, the, the brain develops right through, through pregnancy and is therefore the most vulnerable organ as well. And therefore, a person born with FASD has always got some kind of, or some form of brain damage. And those things we don't know necessarily and we don't talk about it. And even one glass of uh, wine or champagne 
um, sadly can can do harm on your, to your unborn baby. When we did our research for today's conversation, uh, I received many compliments and comments. Uh, some was about the preach. Don't tell me what to do. Others said, but I deserve it. I'm unwinding. But we're not unwinding. Surely we deserve that glass of wine at the end of the day when our kids are asleep. We've worked hard. We're good parents. Yes. Um, a woman who's drinking alcohol is, is not uh, uh, a responsible parent. She's not a, not a good parent. But, but just listen to how we're talking, um, the two of us now. We're talking just about the woman. We're talking just about the pregnant woman and the responsibility of a mom and so. And those are some of the reasons why the women are drinking, because they do want to un unwind. I mean, I also have got children. I, I know how hectic it can uh, can go, and especially when they were young kids. And um, sometimes you just want to reward yourself for a hectic day. But what we found in our research is quite often that women feel very lonely, and they're carrying these burden, the burden of, of um, uh, being pregnant. Um, it's a joyful period, but it's also a very, very stressful period with all the do's and don'ts and whatever. And quite often, because women find themselves in a space where they feel lonely, they feel pressurized, they feel stressed and so, then they, they do self-medication and drink a, a drink or two, or also peer group pressure with that, with what I said, surely one or two glasses of wine can't do any harm. So we in our organization, and it's actually a, a, a worldwide trend, is steering away from just saying it's the woman's responsibility. You know, we're asking, where's the partner? Where's the father of this child? So it's not only the responsibility of, of the woman. Is it the yeah. same? Is it the same when I go out with my girls and have a have a girls' night? I haven't had a girls' night, guys, since my kids were born. So I'm six years late. <laughs> what girls' night? But anyway, is it is it the same? Uh, we're all going out for a girls' night. Is it different to um, me and my friends hanging in Cape Town at the Shabin? Why is the one alcohol abuse and the other one not? No, no. Um, um, alcohol is alcohol. It doesn't matter whether you drink champagne or if you drink um, ruedopi or if you drink a, um, a beer or whatever or a cocktail. Um, it doesn't matter. If, I, I say this and I just want to clarify this, doctor. I say this because, you know, leading up to today when we talked about unwinding and we did our research as parents and baby branch, it seemed like people associated um, alcohol abuse with community, like it's only yes. in our communities and lower LSM and that it can't become or be a problem for us, them, they, you know? And so I almost want to not preach, but I almost want to say we also need to be careful, you know, who and what we label um, because we might be at risk, but we are the ones, and I say we lightly, everyone who's listening, we are the ones that, that don't want to take the responsibility or be accountable. Because to us, alcohol abuse or um, misbruik van alcohol is a, is a poor man's disease. Yes, it is definitely seen like, uh, like that, especially in South Africa. And, and sadly, if we look at the research that's been done in our country, quite often the focus of our research, and certainly in the uh, years gone by, the focus of uh, on uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder research was on um, 
people in wine farming communities, people living and working on farms, people previously exposed to the TOT system, you know, uh, strongly linked to the apartheid um, type of challenges that we uh, we faced and, and those type of aspects. And therefore, it, it also created this myth that it's a problem, alcohol abuse is a problem, only amongst lower socioeconomic groups and therefore fetal alcohol uh, spectrum disorders as well. The reality is across the board, we've got a problem with um, uh, irresponsible alcohol use. I mean, think of the business man who goes to, or la a woman who goes to out with a uh, on a lunch with her business partners and having a drink or two. If she's pregnant, it's, you know, it's very difficult sometimes to say, I'm not going to drink, even at a party, or especially at a party, I'm not going to have a drink um, or, you know, and then get all these mixed messages from people. And also, quite often, it's difficult to say, um, when you're early in your pregnancy, you don't want to have a drink because you might not want to disclose already um, if, that you're pregnant. Um, so, Ilona, yes, it, it's not a problem. Only alcohol use and abuse and uh, all the harmful effects is not only a problem in, in lower socioeconomic groups or certain cultural groups in our country. Should we change the way we, we speak about it? I mean, are we guilty of anything if we make light of enjoying alcohol? Uh, I'm a wine hobbyist. I make wine in my spare time and uh, I've got wine in the cellar. Uh, my house is filled with wine and my children sees me having a glass of wine. They've never inquired or wondered about it. But do we do we need to change our language and the way we conversate about alcohol? Is that something that has come up in your research? I think the important things, uh, thing is that we have a conversation about it. Um, if you think back when we had the uh, the lockdown, um, COVID lockdown periods and the ban on COVID, um, I thought that was a wonderful opportunity we, we were given to just to talk about alcohol because every single person had an opinion. Even if you even teetotalers had, had an opinion about alcohol and everybody wanted to talk about alcohol. So I always, people always ask, you know, when should I start talking with my child? Um, uh, you know, had, my teenager was drunk. How should I talk about my teenager or my teenager did something dangerous when he or she was drinking? And it's never too early to start talking to, uh, to your children. You saying that you've got, you've got wine in your house, your children see you drinking. That is an extremely important role model that you're giving to them. You have made the decision, and that's very important. You've made the decision that you are going to use alcohol, but part of that decision is also to use it responsibly. If you're going out and you're going to, you know, go and eat out with friends or party or wedding or whatever, how are you going to get back? Are you going to get somebody mm. to uh, back home to bring you back home? Um, or are you going to be the responsible person who's driving back and not having anything to drink? That's the conversation that we need to have with our children and not start talking to them when it's already a problem. Late, yeah. Not stalk, start talking when, um, when, you know, in a, in a uh, judgmental way or reprimanding way and so, and setting a good example. And that is unfortunately what is lacking in so many uh, families in South Africa, the example. If we look, for example, at, um, you know, our big problem with alcohol uh, um, abuse in South Africa, we regularly, um, according to the World Health Organization, uh, rank amongst the 10 top alcohol-using uh, uh, countries in the world. 
And in South Africa, we drink on average uh, twice uh, the amount of um, alcohol per capita that is drank in the globally in the rest of, of the world. But only about uh, 45% of our uh, population is drink are regular drinkers. Sure. So those the regular drinkers are drinking enough to put to, us yeah. In, yeah, yeah. So the the is a lot of people in South Africa who are just occasional drinkers or do not drink, but mm. they too much is a problem and in the case of pregnancy no alcohol is safe uh, during pregnancy and that's the, the difficult thing to grasp and to understand because that's was going to be my question i mean i i was going to ask you how how big is the problem really in south africa in terms of consumption i mean it's a big problem the way the way you explained it it's it's a big problem i really enjoyed your response on education and behavior and how our children mimic what we do and so um it it leads me to it leads me to this conversation that i had the other day uh, i was at a conference and the conference was around family values and we can all say that we're raising children with values until we ask them, what are those values? Yes. And no one can name them, you know? Yes, yes. And, yeah. and it's exactly that, that if we're going to do anything, you know, drive without a seatbelt or um, I don't know, I don't know what else there is that, that you could relate to, but that we should know that our children will mimic, they'll mimic what we do because we are their role models. Yeah, and they are choices. So uh, I always, when uh, um, I can remember when I spoke to my kids, I, I used to say to them, one of the easiest decisions in terms of um, alcohol use is not to use alcohol at all. You just decide, I'm not going to use alcohol, never ever in my life. It sounds like an easy decision, but it's a very difficult decision. Mm. But then the other option is to say, okay, I'm going to use alcohol just when I want how." Never mind how much I'm going to drink, I'm just going to enjoy myself. But the most difficult decision is I am going to use alcohol, but I'm going to use it responsibly. responsibly. Yeah. And then you to know your body and to know what it what responsible alcohol use means. Um, I was in a in a meeting today when we uh, we spoke about um the effect of alcohol, it was with a wine company, effect on alcohol, on, uh, of alcohol on children, young people's bodies. And they were actually shocked when I told them that in our research, um, we're finding that children as young as 10 years of age are regular alcohol users. Now, using alcohol regularly and at times abusing it because of circumstances put you at risk of various things. Now, we've got a big problem with teenage pregnancy in, in our country. We know that. But um, Ilona, what is so sad for me over the years is that we're seeing younger and younger mums um, giving birth to children with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And this is an indication of how big our problem is and how how absolutely important it is for us as parents to have these discussions and not in, in a scary way but as to empower our children mm. to help them to make informed decisions because if you if you use scare techniques and those type of things it's not going to it's not going to work no but not i like the empowering i mean that's that's such a beautiful word i'd rather want to be empowered than just scared i mean i oh. do in my parenting style i do add a little bit of fear you know just sometimes in 
but I, I love the word empowerment. That's that's really valuable for me. I mean, so many people leading up to this conversation has got mixed feelings around what we're discussing. I can guarantee you that most of the people listening to this podcast has tuned out because, yes. again, we don't feel like this is for us. I want to come back to the fact that you said during pregnancy, it's it's important not to drink at all. Stress that to me again and why it's so important. Okay, Lorna, um, again, referring back to research, um, 76% of pregnancies in South Africa are unplanned. 76%. So some of us who are hopefully still listening might fall into that category. So it's not irresponsible, women. I'm, I'm sure there are some people giggling now and thinking, some ladies are saying, yes, I'm in that group as well yeah, because yeah. I was uh, using whatever other medication and it interfered with my contraceptive or for whatever reason I had or unprotected sex and whatever. But it doesn't mean that those kids are, I immediately want to add, that they necessarily unwanted children. Mm. So 76% unwanted pregnancy. So if you are not planning your pregnancy or if you didn't plan to be pregnant now, you might not know that you're pregnant. So you might miss your first um, uh, a period and you think, oh, well, my word, um, I did that flu or I was, you know, doing this or whatever, or I started gymming again or whatever. Let me just wait till next month. Next month, you're already eight weeks pregnant. Mm. Mm. By that stage, most of your baby's organs already formed, mm. hearts, eyes, and whatever, or um, they, you know, advanced uh, way of forming already. You maybe just continue drinking alcohol during that period, unknowingly putting mm -hmm. your child at risk. Okay, now you stop drinking alcohol and your baby, and you don't drink alcohol anymore. When uh, when we see our, their children at our private clinic or in our projects and so, quite often mums would tell you, Yana, I promise you I did not drink during pregnancy. So the next question is, when did you confirm your pregnancy? Now mm. I was eight weeks pregnant, 10 weeks pregnant, or 12 weeks pregnant. Mm. And then we see it. We see the organ damage because that's one aspect of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Right. Or even worse, I, I was planning my pregnancy. I did not drink any alcohol, but my doctor or whoever told me, a health professional told me, I can start drinking again when I'm after my third trimester, our first trimester, after the first three months. Oof. And then the baby's brain develops right through pregnancy. Then we see the brain damage with no organ damage. So there is never a safe period during pregnancy to drink. But the big problem, and especially um, in women who don't see themselves at risk or who are not necessarily planning a pregnancy, is that first trimester when you don't know that you're pregnant and you're just having your continue having your whiskey and soda in the evening or your glass of red wine or your um, champagne. So um, that's why we take a very unjudgmental approach because mm. women will say to you, I'm so sorry, I really did not know. This is... Do we drink in front of our kids? I think I'm going to shock some people because I'm going to say yes. They need to see that we've got a, a healthy relationship with alcohol. Mm. Um, they need to see that uh, mum or dad can say, no, thank you, I've had enough. 
or um, I'll skip uh, this glass. I'm rather going to have um, a cold drink, you know, um, or uh, fruit juice or whatever, because there you show them that there are options. Because if you say no, what, what are the options? And this is also not a dis uh, discussion that we have with the, our kids. Um, important for teenagers going out or students or whatever, what is a cool drink that you can drink with, without any alcohol? What is maybe a drink that you can start off having alcohol in it, and then later on you can just ask the barman or your house just to exclude the alcohol, but you continue drinking this you know, uh, cocktail or whatever without the alcohol in. But so it is important for our children, if we are using alcohol, to see how we are using it and that we're using it responsibly. Otherwise, where are they going to learn? Yeah. Who's going to Who's going show to teach them? them? Shouldn't we, and, and this was a, a question that we, that was actually asked by another parent. So I'm representing them with this question. And, and it was, shouldn't we rather present our children with a lifestyle that allows them to not have to have alcohol in the first place. For instance, uh, if you uh, are in a running culture, you know, you can't have alcohol the night before because you won't have a good run. Or um, if you are a gym fanatic or enjoy being outdoors, you know, it's it's hardly fun doing it while, you know, you want to be sober. Yeah. Sober and sober. Awesome. Yeah, but that's part of the responsible alcohol use mm. because then, then you are realizing and you're acknowledging that alcohol can have harmful effects. So, and you know your body. If I drink tonight, I am not going to be able to complete the marathon tomorrow or the health mm. marathon. It's going to affect my my time. I'm not going to be at my best performance. Um, if I'm a model, I might end up with, uh, you know, uh, bags under my eyes or my skin. Not is a going model. To show that <laughs> you look like one. <laughs> but those type of things, and it's part of the conversation. So when do you drink alcohol? Um, also, by the way, that is also a big problem in South Africa. And the binge drinking, because mm. we we tend to think oh, I'm okay because I don't drink during the week because I don't want to get up with, you know, having a nerkop the next morning and don't mm. feel fit to go to work or something like that. So I drink over weekends and then I overdo it a little bit. So that's the binge drinking. And in other countries, um, women and uh, men are the binge drinkers, but we're so emancipated in South Africa that we women you know, we are on par with the binge drinking men. So, so binge drinking amongst women is also a big problem in South Africa. I want to know more about your organization, but before we get there, I want to, just some quick fire. Uh, who drinks more in South Africa, men or women? Men. Um, in the world, where does South Africa rank in terms of alcohol? Like how much do we consume? Um, about twice the uh, average per capita consumption. Right. Um, and certainly we're the highest in, in, in Africa by far. I'm oh, sorry. I have <laughs> to laugh. Um, pregnant, pregnant women and, and alcohol is, is the problem that big that we have to have a whole organization to, to help us and to educate us? Ilana, we've got uh, only 53 people working in our organization. I wish that I could clone every single one of my colleagues to have 10 of them, and it will not be enough to, to address this problem. We by 
far we've got the highest um, FISD prevalence rate in the world. The world prevalence rate is, according to World Health Organization, a very careful research again, about 1,5%. So 15 in 1,000 people in the world has got FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. In South Africa, we've got um, areas where we're working where the prevalence rate is as high as 28%. So 280,000 of the population. So it's like 19 times higher than the rest of the world. So we've got a massive problem here. Very, uh, yeah, very. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Many, many, many other factors also linked to it, like um, malnutrition, yeah. um, poverty, unemployment, low literacy levels, and those type of things, of course. I immediately start empathizing with a woman who's in a household who's pregnant and who is listening to this podcast because she's got a husband who is drinking, you know, um, which is almost a whole conversation on its own. Do you want to say something about that, doctor? Yes, yes. And and that's in our research also that we're finding. We, we, we often, when we uh, work with women, and again, in a very non-judgmental, safe way, um, why did you use alcohol during pregnancy? First thing, I didn't know I was pregnant. Second mm. thing, I didn't know about the harmful effects of alcohol. I didn't know about uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. And then, sadly, I was under pressure of my partner mm. or my you know, husband. Ilana, if I may, I just want to say, and it's a very valid point that you're mentioning, that there might be people who are listening who are pregnant and who did use alcohol up till now. And we always say, it doesn't matter how far you're in your pregnancy, it's never too late to stop because immediately when you stop, you, of course, stop the harmful effects of the alcohol on your unborn baby. So please, um, if people can just attend to that as well. That's beautiful and reassuring. And so and so that's what we're here to do. We're not here to scare you with facts and to tell you that you're bad. Uh, I mentioned on this podcast that I enjoy a glass of wine and that that's my hobby. Uh, I also have people in my family that are alcoholics and it's a, it's a very hard life and it's hurt many people. And mm. it's very hard being a hobbyist, knowing that the same thing that can be so enjoyable and beautiful and celebratory um, can be can be death to yeah, yeah. so many people um, yeah. as well. I just Your, want to say thank you for yeah. sharing that, Ilona. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> the, re the reality is also um, that must be part of the conversation with our children as well. Mm. I wonder if there's one single South African family where there's not uh, where there isn't somebody with an alcohol mm. problem. And if they, if that is the reality in one's family, you also need to uh, have this conversation, conversation with the children. And usually that's something that's hushed up. You can't say that mm -hmm. dad has got a, mom has got a problem or opa had a problem or whatever. We need to talk uh, to, uh, about it because if one of my family members had a, uh, was having a problem or had a problem, it's putting me at risk as well. You know, genetic factors and things like that also come into play here. Now, I, I had a look at your newsletter and the amazing work that you do as an organization FAR, Foundation for Alcohol-Related Research. I must say on paper, you're interesting, but in conversation, you are much more interesting. And so, <laughs> Dr. Liana Willefeer, tell me about what FAR does. 
Yeah, it's a, um, I'm, I'm sorry to say it is an amazing organization <laughs> and I'm working with amazing colleagues. Um, we have projects and I will explain what that is now um, in the free states, the Northern Cape, Eastern Cape and the Western Cape. And then we've got a training academy is working nationally. So on our projects, we uh, do fetal alcohol spectrum uh, disorder research. So we look at how big the problem is involving mm. children and so forth, all the research things in place. And then based on that, and when we assess the uh, the extent of the problem in the community, we then start um, doing awareness prevention, um, capacity development programs with community members. And, you know, there's this beautiful African uh, saying, um, you need a village to raise a child. Definitely. I always say you need a village to prevent a child from being born with FASD. Sure. I did share with you that we work in communities where the prevalence rate um, was as high as 28%. In those communities, after working there for six, seven years, it, hardly any children are being born with FASD mm. nowadays. And the, the reason for that is the very, very brave moms who participate in our programs, like, for example, our Healthy Mother, Healthy Baby program, support program um, from the uh, onset of pregnancy right until the child is nine months old and then we do medical examinations and whatever and then the children go through uh, over to our ECD early childhood development programs we've got learner support programs um, so programs to support teenagers as well and even programs for parents and googles the omas are so important and the opas are jealous so they joined as well because they quite often the uh, the uh, primary caregivers of children, mm. especially in rural areas. So it's a whole basket of services that we render in a community to help a community to strengthen um, their resources to address their own challenges um, a little bit better. So that's basically, and then we train, of course, the uh, professionals, all the health, you know, health professionals, teachers, psychologists, and so forth. And we've got a private clinic also at our um, uh, head office in Belleville, where people who belong to medical um, aid or so forth, or can pay, um, can get their children and adults assist because we get a lot of adult clients as well. I think you're doing amazing work, and. Other than the research, what I'm passionate about is the the projects where whether you are part of community, whether you are part of corporate, whether you are pregnant or not, can be part of and become a better human. And thank you through your program for also teaching us how to be better parents, because that's what Parents and Baby Brunch is about. It's to to support. And I want to encourage every mom and dad that's listening to this podcast and watching these videos um, to know, just like Dr. said earlier, if you are consuming, it's never too late to stop and get help. See see your GP first if you don't know where to go. Uh, they're very helpful. And doctor, thank you for your time. For more information, you can find uh, out more about Foundation for Alcohol-Related Research or FAR in our social media write-up and details also on babybrunch.co.za. This podcast was supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. Epimax Baby and Junior is dermatologist approved, free of artificial colorants and fragrances, and is safe to use from birth. Touch, nourish, love your child's skin with Epimax Baby and Junior. Available from leading pharmacies and retail stores.